gentlemen, we are back. This is Nos <laughs> Logos Media's Unspun number 170. My goodness, I can't even keep my head straight today. Got a great show lined up this evening. We've got Greg Quinones back for the first time and what, about two years, Greg? This is your fourth time on, and uh, it's yeah. good to have you back. Um, so much in the media lately, this Greta Thorne in your side, Greta Thorn Thunberg, uh, you know, and all of the nonsense being spouted. I saw some BS report today saying that European meat consumption is down 20% this week because of Greta. And, of course, she's funded by George Soros and uh, the left to propagandize the public, which is really eugenics and... Uh, a whole lot of other good stuff. But anyway, Greg, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. You and I had done a show, oh, I guess a little over four years ago now. It kind of went viral. It had over, a, I think it had like 130,000, 140,000 views. And uh, how it went viral was somebody else downloaded it and re-uploaded it to their channel. And then it went viral because, of course, they throttle my channel, you know. <laughs> well, at least we got the word out there. And I've, I've, I've heard some, a lot of people have seen it. And so it's, uh, it maybe it's woken up quite a few people. There are people talking about that. Hey, maybe, maybe nuclear energy isn't that bad. Wow. Oil isn't as bad as we thought. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a very important topic. It affects all of our lives in a great way. Yeah. What was that called? Let's see. It was, uh, Abiogenic Petroleum, Peak Oil, and Fossil Fuels Debunked, number 241, back when it was still called Gnostic Media. No wonder why I screwed up tonight. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then let's see, you came on in uh, 2015 when I was still on the RBN network. And then mm -hmm. you came on uh, one other time, uh, what was it, episode 94 on Unspun. So that was about 80 episodes ago. So, yeah, it was quite a bit. Yeah, a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, it's been a been at least a couple of years. So yeah, good to have you back. This topic keeps coming up; it drives me crazy. People actually think that carbon, the foundation of all life, is a pollutant, and uh, I'm constantly astounded. And you know, I the first thing I thought of was you know like two weeks ago, I think uh, maybe three. I need to get Greg back on the show, so reached out to you and I, I gave you a call out on last week's show too to get you to uh respond but you didn't you missed that show but uh, you still caught my email so anyway let's uh let's dive into all of this where, where should we begin uh, you know I got a a good list of stuff to cover here you want to talk about this uh Greta Thunberg nonsense <laughs> it's child abuse what they're doing I mean Child abuse, child abuse on display, uh, how they're elevating a, what is she, 16 years old? If that, yeah. I don't even know. I, don't, I really don't even pay attention to the, the media anymore because it's just, it's so Blat Such, such blathering stupidity. Yeah, it's just, it, it hurts my ears. I just, I can't, uh, I can't get my arms around it. But, I mean, she's everywhere. What she's, on her channel on YouTube, she's got like 10 pages of videos just on her. And <laughs> what, I mean, a month ago, I never heard of her before. Right. And all of a sudden, she's, it just shows you that. 
Well, and her, her parents are actors. Her mom is an opera singer. Uh, she's clearly funded by George Soros. In fact, if I recall, there are photos of her and Soros together. And uh, let's see. Uh, let me. Her mother? What's that? And I, and I am a big opera fan. So her mother is a, an opera singer. Yeah. And let's see. I'm just going to type in Soros here. She's. She has soiled herself by allowing her daughter to do that. That would be. Yeah. So here she is right here. I mean, uh, I, well, you know what? That may be a Photoshop. Let me see. Uh, yeah, she's there. Here's a photo with former Vice President Al Gore, which is ridiculous. But I know the uh, organization that funds her and PRs her is actually funded and backed by. George Soros, which of course is never a surprise. I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked oh yeah. Shocked. Shocked as shocked can as, be. Shocked. There's gambling going on in this stuff. Yeah. Here she is with uh, fraud Al Gore. You know. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Good grief, man. It's a joke, and they want us to take. Uh, what is she supposed to be? Some environmental expert. Oh, yeah. Years. Yeah, totally. You know, and appealing to everybody. Oh, what about our future? Meh, 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 meh. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, my God, they're polluting the world. You know, so actually what's going on, folks, is there it's it's a war on energy. And uh, yeah, so uh, Justin says uh, daughter of actors lauded by Michael Moore. Yes, indeed. But it's a war on energy. And you know, most people haven't seen in the world, haven't seen your and my previous work together, but uh, the highest standard of living throughout all history has been since uh, petroleum, uh, the the so-called fossil fuel, has been brought up out of the ground and used as an energy source. And, you know, people have literally the highest standard of living in all history right now because of it. And there was and I'll bring this up later, but there was somebody who was putting out videos about six or eight years ago. I tried to get him on the show. I can't remember his name now. He was working with the Ayn Rand Institute, but he had done a lot of research into oil and, um, you know, the standard of living and whatnot and how the, these wars against oil and petroleum are actually, you know, they're trying to promote a, a new dark age. But as you and I showed um, four years ago on, on the show, was that uh, fossil fuels aren't fossil fuels. They're abiogenic, and they're, you know, essentially they're most likely created by the volcanic action of the Earth. And uh, we also discussed how all of the oil wells that were emptied out in, like, the 30s and 40s were full again, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and then, what was it, three, four years ago, there was such a surplus of oil, they didn't have anywhere to store it, so ships were just floating around at sea because they couldn't dock anywhere to offload the oil. Mm -hmm. There's a big problem even to, to this point. The oil has to flow at a certain rate through the system in order for it not to build up and for them to overflow tanks. And uh, so this is why we haven't seen oil prices spike up because the market can't bear it. People will pull back on their oil usage and then we'll have ships floating out at sea to just moor it out. I've seen uh, California oil prices raise, uh, you know, 70 cents in the last two weeks, but that's always because of California government shenanigans. And then they also hyperinflated an extra 70 cents on top of that just for a tax per gallon. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, people here travel less and do things a lot less than they would if, uh, you know, there weren't these ridiculous taxes. And they try to repeal the tax, but the cities, L.A., San Francisco, of course, they voted against it. And because their populations are greater than the entire rest of the state, where the farmers and the rest of the world lives, uh, they weren't able to over overturn this. So, of course, they always propagandize, you know, L.A. and San Francisco and use those as strong arms for the entire rest of the state. The rest of the state is pretty conservative, and then you have these, these you know, cells of emotionally driven liberals in, uh, in the cities, in the big cities. And, you know, Santa Barbara is another a city like that that has a, a lot of influence economically, even though it's got a small population. Well, I can tell you exactly what the state of California did. Let's hear it. California is like every other state. And aside from all the, they're crashing all their money into their CAFRs that they can, into their certified financial financial certified annual financial reports, which is buying all these assets, corporate uh, corporate assets around the world, but they're taking them off books, so they're not they don't they don't become the assets of the taxpayers. They're funding the state through my monetization and hypothecation scheme. So what they do is they say, we use so much gasoline in the state of, of California annually. So we're gonna borrow that money. We're gonna raise the money for a, ta- we're gonna charge a tax, okay? Which is gonna be the guarantor of the bond that they purchase. And they're gonna borrow billions of dollars to bring it forward, spend it on all the largesse they love to spend it on. Then when it turns around and people don't realize that they've been used as the surety of that debt, they're going to come up, oh, L.A. votes against it. They vote against it. This, it's everything in this country now has become a financial crime. It's and People don't understand the elements of that. Everything is monetized today. Everything. Right. And until people can grasp what that means and how these politicians are using laws to create money by saying this law is going to generate this much revenue. So rather than waiting for the revenue to come in, we'll just borrow against, we'll put a bond against that revenue and borrow it and bring it forward so we can spend the money now. To hell with what happens in 20 years from now, they're not going to be in office. So they want to be able to make all their con- make all the, the constituents, what I like to refer to as their validators, happy by saying, well, we built new sidewalks. Look at this. It looks real nice. But in the meantime, for real services that people need, they're not providing any of that. Right. Well, but- yeah, you know, and we, the California is thick with the plague now. And, uh, you know, there was all of this promotion in the nineties and two, early two thousands for the needle exchange program. There's needles all over the streets. Now, San Francisco alone gives out 400,000, uh, hypodermic needles a month for, drug users so imagine in a city that what, what do they have like four million people i don't know off the top of my head but that means like you know imagine that much heroin being used that they need that many hypodermic needles in that one city then you've got feces everywhere now the new the new you know jobs and and la and san francisco are uh hazmat teams to clean up all the the shit and the and the hypodermic needles and stuff off the streets but the uh, L.A. is rampant with rats and the plague again, and then you've got scabies and everything else going on. So, you know, this is what, you know, people like Governor Gavin, Gavin Newsom have brought to uh, 
California. There's actually a, a recall already going in against him to get him uh, out of office, which I hope uh, goes through. But, I mean, you know, they're, they're just completely out of control. And, you know, the California liberals care more about illegal immigrants than they care about their own neighbors and their own cities and the cleanliness and whatnot. And there's so many handout programs that homeless people are coming from other states to here, and there's no place to put them. You know, so, you know, what was it? Uh, L.A. has like 54,000 homeless people. That's a a size city in itself, you know, a decent sized city. So, um, you know, how many across the United States? I've heard figures as high as 40 million people are homeless. And those those would include many transitional people. Right. But, you know, basically there are a lot of people living in tents in their parents' backyards, too. Yeah. So, All right. So, uh, what about uh, you? Got anything to say about George Soros? You follow him much? <laughs> George Soros. Um, is he even? How is he even alive? Is there somebody got their hand up his? Back well, no. Well, I think he probably lives off of vampirism and drinking a lot <laughs> of kids. But that's a whole other subject. You know, that's uh, the whole young blood topic that we covered about this time last year. And, um, actually probably exactly a year ago, we covered that in, in the vampirism shows, but, oh, by the way, this is the, uh, this is the month of the 11th anniversary of the show. How about that? Made it 11 freaking years. 11, 11, very occultic. Oh, I wasn't going there, but <laughs> thanks. <laughs> now you'll have all of the people, ah, you know, <laughs> Very occultic number. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's get you and I had spoken on the phone a couple of days ago and we were talking about carbon taxes and whatnot. Why don't we dive into that? Carbon taxes, again, that feeds right back to what I had just mentioned about monetization. What they want to do is monetize the very air we breathe. And the carbon tax allows us to be the surety of of bonding trillions of dollars to bring forward for the future. And the purpose of this really isn't to, oh, we're going to survive another 20 years. I think they, they know they've got to get, they've got to squeeze every drop out of, every drop of juice out of this lemon that they possibly can before it blows off into the wind. And that means that the powers to be want to acquire as much of the controlling assets as possible with dollars that still have value. So once the dollar collapses, then they can come in and say, well, we're gonna you know, issue a new currency, it's devalued, it's a new dollar. It'll still have George Washington on it. It'll still look the same, but it'll, it'll be, it actually will appear stronger because today's dollar is, uh, you know, literally it represents 96%, 96 cents of debt and only 4% of real buying power. You know, four cents of every dollar is what it's worth. So. Somebody said at least California banned straws. They technically didn't ban them. I guess San Francisco banned them. But, you you know, the, you, you can't get straws in San Francisco, but you can get, you know, 400,000 hypodermic needles. And, and you have to watch where you step in the streets. And then, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's free feces everywhere, you know. You can, I guess... You know, I, I've seen, you know, like, remember in the 70s, those paper straws that made, you know, it was like chalk 
or you're right. like <laughs> scraping your nails on a chalkboard when you use them. I've seen those start popping up lately. But uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So you know, and uh, these carbon taxes are also to tax life itself. You know, since exactly. it is the foundation of all life, and then you get all these nutters that actually think that they need to watch their carbon footprint, not understanding you know basic eighth grade science, and understanding that carbon is actually the foundation of all life. CO two levels go up. Plants increase growth. Oxygen levels grow up. You know, plants consume CO2. Plants release oxygen. It creates a balance. And actually, because from what I'm understanding, uh, certain desert areas are now reforesting because of the higher levels of carbon right now. Have you looked into that? I have seen some of that, yeah. Yeah, it's happening in the southwest, like in Arizona. You know, the in the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains. Yeah. In, in western... Uh, uh, near the Grand Canyon. Yeah. There, there are trees growing in areas there that haven't grown there in all of recorded history for all we know. Yeah. So it's like, wow. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's like, it's, I, I know that this is really hard to grasp for the liberals, but, you know, CO2 goes up, plants eat CO2, they give off oxygen, you know, and they want these, these carbon processing plants, you know, installed to suck in oxygen or suck in co2 and put out oxygen or whatever you know it's called plants like literally plants you know the best co2 plant is an actual plant you know with roots that grow in the ground and it absorbs co2 and it gives off oxygen so you know it's i know this is really hard for a lot of liberals to grasp yeah i'm being snarky but um you know that's how nature works it's actually a balance so you know, one level goes up, then the plants grow more, they give out more oxygen, they suck up the CO2, creates a balance, they give off, uh, you know, more plants grow for the for the vegans to eat, then the, the cows can eat that. But, you know, uh, let's let's get into this, uh, this AOC, uh, you know, swamp monster thing, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What what can you tell us about the Green New Deal? She's like the Saturday night Saturday night live skit, you know, personified, come to life. Yeah. Every day, every day she's an SNL. She's an SNL skit. So, what was really funny was her uh, town hall meeting she had recently, and somebody stood up in the town hall and said, "We have to start eating babies." The carbon, the, we, we don't have time. We only have months to live. We have to start eating the babies. And people thought this was real, but she was pumped. Now, they're saying that somebody from the Trump administration sent this girl over. But I don't, I don't think it was a Trump. And I don't think they're that smart. I think it was probably somebody like, look, this is. Oh, you know, what's funny is I typed in AOC and then the letter E and then mm -hmm. I, and it finished it for me. AOC eat babies. No joke. Yep. <laughs> have to eat babies. Here, here, look at this, folks. If you type in AOCE, you get AOC eat babies as the top response. So, uh, yeah, that's hilarious. It was over Twitter, and some people thought that it was real, and it was terrible. Oh, no, that, was, that, that girl was just, she was just, you know, she went there to, to bunk her. You know, what? how perfect was it? It's, the reaction, though was she did not know how to respond and she really could have lost the election just on that alone 
like anybody says that in any type of meeting, I don't care what your political affiliation is. You tell that person to shut up or somebody to come and show that person the door and get them out. I mean, really, you're in a town hall and you're going to start talking to people. We have to start eating babies. You call the paddy wagon for that. that right. Well, you know, in New York is, is, you know, live birth abortion. It's called murder, right? The baby is, you know, the, oh, well, we didn't pull the head out. So therefore we can abort it, air quotes, and, you know, do a sacrifice to Moloch. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, they're literally doing human sacrifices to their satanic Moloch god. And they don't even get what this is. Like these liberal feminist women are now the largest murderers in all of history combined. They exceed Lenin, Stalin, Hitler, Mao, all of these people combined. So the liberal feminists just in the United States since, what, 1973 when they passed uh, Roe v. Wade, uh, they've, they've murdered over 61 million babies. 61 million. That's the largest genocide in human history and this is by these children's own mothers mm -hmm. you know so and then they think it's their body they're right they don't even understand that a baby is a separate body you know i even had one liberal tell me that uh that uh, a baby was a parasite on the mother yeah you know <laughs> yeah we we uh we live in bizarro world right Fortunately, I, I don't think I heard some figures not too long ago that there haven't been too many women in New York that actually have done last minute abortions. I'm sure there have been a few, but it's been relatively, like, very, very small. You can count them on one hand. So maybe we're not completely lost that women can be driven into a point of insanity very easily through coercion and through media. but that's something they can't square that circle in their own minds. How do you do that? Right. That's not that, that you're going to carry a baby all the way to term and then murder it at birth. Right. How do you, yeah. How does that become your choice? You lost that. You know, you're they, just, could, they could justify that in the first trimester and say, well, it's not really formed. And that's how they got away with it for so long, for so many years. But right. To this point, well, as soon as it's conceived, it's a. As soon as it's conceived, it's a new life, you know. And people who are parents get it, but you know these liberals, they don't get it. They, you know, they go around cheering for murder and for infanticide. It's it's mind boggling, but they don't even grasp that they are the largest murderers in all history. And I've done numerous shows on these eugenics plans, and I've read the files at at Princeton between. Uh, Julian Huxley and um, and Margaret Sanger and how they wanted to wipe out whole segments of the population and stuff. And what was the best way? They looked at World War One and World War Two, and they said, you know what? Let's hold off on doing it that way. That was a little grotesque. Let's get people to virtue signal and to kill off their own family trees, their own tree of life. And uh, they won't even, you know, we'll sell it as a choice and, you know, as, as like a great thing and we're going to save the planet. And these people won't even get that they're committing mass genocide. You know, and that's exactly what it is. But, you know, you've got Ocasio-Cortez and this, you know, New Green New Deal. She wants to ban airplanes. 
she wants to ban cows and eating meat and all of this stuff. So let's let's go into some of this stuff, like banning cows. So I'm going to put right up there at the top, so India's uh, sacred cow problem. So India is going to need to have a massive sacred cow barbecue. So India has roughly 45 million sacred cows across the country that are just, you know, farting and, and polluting the world. So this is probably the largest uh, place of, you know, methane pollution. Let's not tell them about the ocean floor, but, you know, that's that's a secret between you and I, right? We'll get they, they can go back to the, the show we did four years ago and realize that most of the methane comes out of the ocean floor. But so, you know, so India with their, you know, 45 million sacred cows is clearly the largest producer of methane in the world. I mean, they're just blowing farts everywhere, you know, and then you have a large population in India of vegans. And so, you know, vegans fart a lot. You know, they fart more than, than carnivores do by far because of all of the carbohydrates breaking down and releasing releasing gas. So then, you you know, so then what do you do? I mean, do we need to do post-birth abortions on Indians because they're vegans? Uh, you know, what do you think on that? How do I begin? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> the, uh, uh, I hadn't thought too much about it. I didn't even put, given it too much consideration about how many sacred cows they had over in India. But. Yeah, I looked it up earlier today before the show. They have, as of 2017, an estimated uh, 44,900,000 sacred cows as of two years ago. So they're, yeah. they're clearly, these sacred cows have got to be the largest polluters, you know. So I say we have a massive, you know, sacred cow barbecue, pull out the grills, you know, save some of these starving Indians everywhere and, and you know, pull out the barbecue sauce and <laughs> the smokers and get these things going, you know. So if there's ever a problem uh, and China runs out of meat, they're going to invade India and steal all the sacred cows. Interesting. Yeah, well. They might do it because they're, they're, uh, the yeah. The, the pig swine flu, whatever they have over there, is wiping out their pig population. Yeah, so. well, you know, and somebody just said the Hindi barbecue could rival Texas. <laughs> right, well, exactly. you know, and speaking of Texas, so, you know, here's, okay, so Texas, and I spoke to the professor of uh, environmental management or whatever at Texas A&M University about five or six years ago, and we had had a long conversation, maybe an hour or so, about the uh, feral pig problem in in Texas, and you know, they're if they don't, what was it? If they don't kill something like two hundred thousand feral pigs or wild boar per month, it's a massive catastrophe on the environment in Texas, and that's just to keep even. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, so then you get all of these libtards that cry about all of the hunting and all the the wild boar hunting, et cetera. But this is absolutely essential. And, you know, so they're, they're whining about the environment and protecting the environment, but what they don't get is these hunters going out there and getting 20,000 wild hogs a month or, or whatever the case is, is there to protect the environment. And not only that, like 20% of the nation's pork is wild boar, you know, is and it yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge number. These, these hunters go out and they're, 
bringing in large uh, amounts of, of wild boar into the packing houses every single morning. They, they truck them in, you know. Wow. And, and so, but there's an estimated four, what was it, 4.5 or 4.7. This was several years ago. I'm going off the top of my head, but 4.5 or 4.7 million wild boar in Texas. Yeah, you know, I can believe it. So, yeah. you know, they have no hunting laws whatsoever. You can go out with a machine gun on your ATV or, you know, you can hunt them from helicopter, whatever. They just want uh, to be um, putting, you know, getting as many of these, these boar out of the environment as possible because they're such a detriment. Yeah, I saw a program uh, several years ago, long time ago. There's a guy in Texas who had a wild boar problem on his farm. And uh, he went to the local animal shelter. And he just, as an experiment, he, he picked up a couple of pit bulls. It turns out pit bulls love hunting wild boar. Do they? So he adopted like 30 or 40 pit bulls. And they just go out and have a hoot and holler and a good time, you know, hunting boars. <laughs> of course, these pit bulls are very well fed. Right. And he's so much that now he he brings meat, pork meat, to the animal shelter to feed the other dogs. They wow. actually know it's coming because they can smell it coming in and all the dogs go crazy. Yeah, L. Sterling says wild boar is open season all year. Same with Maui. I didn't realize it was such a big problem in Maui now. But, you know, we do have a wild boar problem in California, but, you know, it's it's not as significant, you know. But, uh, you know, it's like these people don't realize that how detrimental vegetarianism is to the environment. And there's a book called Cows Save the World. They don't realize that cows eat the grass, spread the seed, etc. So these liberals actually think that all these cows are an environmental detriment. And uh, well, gosh, yeah. You know, and it's the exact opposite. They, you know, I've had conversations with liberals and it's like, so what about the millions of bisons that used to roam the Great Plains? Were those environmental pollutants? And then they, you know, stutter and stammer and uh, and it kind of clicks in their head sometimes that, you know, wait a second. But, you know, so if we're going to start with, you know, start off handling this cow problem, we really should start with India and have a sacred cow barbecue. And then because, you know, if we're going to get this methane under control, you know, the vegans put out far more, you know, methane than normal people. Like people that are on a keto diet or a carnivore diet almost don't fart at all. So, uh, you know, this is obviously a, a serious problem. Vegans letting out all of this methane. So, you know, I don't know if we can do post-birth abortions or, or what, but, you know, I mean, you know, maybe... You know, I don't want to go too far because, of course, they'll freak out and, and cause a big uh, thing. They, you know, they don't have a sense of humor. So, um, yeah, but there's a book, Cows Save the Planet, that goes into all the facts about cows spreading grass seed, ending deforestation and all this stuff, and how they are a huge part of the the ecosystem. And, you know, a few – it was probably eight months ago I saw this uh, – video of this woman who did a breakdown of um, vegetarianism and its impact on the environment. And uh, let me just see if I can find it here. It was really good. A friend of mine sent it to me some months back, but uh, I don't know where it is. 
But yeah, you know, I'll I'll have to find it here. But it was really good video. A buddy, old buddy of mine, Tony, had sent it to me, I think. But uh, it was like a short ten minute video breaking down how bad veganism is on the environment and how you have to have all of the animals in the whole cycle to sustain everything. And what liberals don't get see. Liberals and, you know, city dwellers, um, you know, for, ve- you know, veganism is a, uh, you know, basically an urban religion. But what they, you know, these people who live in these big cities, they tend to think that food comes from wrappers at the store. You know, they're not part of the entire process of growing food, whether it's out of the ground or, you know, raising animals and whatnot. So, you know, they think the whole world is a concrete jungle where you, you know, walk into a shop and you get food out of a wrapper and you throw the food in the in the trash while you're stepping over the feces and hypodermic needles, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so they, they're not, they don't understand the, you know, the cycle of life and that all life comes from the consumption of other life, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like... Uh, well, they're they're just interested in the hypo shuffle, in, in the what? In the hypo shuffle. Well, yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's about slide, it's avoid about feces and the needles. Like yeah, the right, right, and, yeah, and it's you know it's all about virtue signaling, really. You know, you have right, to exactly. you have to pretend you're more spiritual and evolved than everybody else because you meh 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 at everybody, and you know, and you have photos on your Facebook page of yourself meditating and. You know, you have all of these cute little animal videos and how spiritual you are because you post more, you know, cute little piggy videos. And how could you eat this thing? And, of course, I go in there and I'm like, oh, my God, bacon, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get my (laughs) 30-30. Well, I believe one thing we do have a problem with corporatization in the United States, the corporate farms corporate pig farms, corporate beef farms. This is not good husbandry to these animals. Correct. And I I agree with that, of course. You know, these animals need to be treated with dignity. They need to be, you know, they need to be slaughtered in humane ways, the most painless, less stressful way possible. I don't, in a large factory situation, it's, it's probably not possible for that. So why we're not saying that with all the space we have, the farms, to make it easier for family farms to come back and because they could do the job of the corporations. Well, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, and and this guy, L. Sterling, just published uh, or posted just now again. He said, uh, cattle raising makes barren land fertile. We are part of the life cycle. Very well said. You couldn't have said that better. And, uh, you know, so let's see. And then he just said a small scale heirloom pork, grass fed beef, free range chicken. Correct. And, you know, and if we went back to the small family farms, that would solve the problem. The issue is, you know, when you you go down the highway and you see these big factory farms with, you know, 10,000 herd of cattle standing in their own, you know, crap, that's the problem. It's not it's not cattle themselves. And, you know. It's not necessarily vegans farting more than everybody else. It's, you know, I mean, they're definitely a big part of the problem, but, you know, there, there is a solvable solution. We, we need to put, you know, cows in every liberal's backyard and then, you know, ha, you know, 
force them to uh, slaughter these animals once every two or three years, you know. And then, see, when I was a kid, we raised our own pigs on our land and chickens, turkeys, ducks, etc. And then, you know, when the pigs got about two years old or whatever, my dad and I went out in the backyard and he always had his uh, uh, 22 Magnum revolver on his side, his Ruger, and uh, his Ruger single six. And he took one shot, you know, right between the eyes. And, and I grew up in a long history of uh, veterinarians in my family. Right. So he was not only an animal doctor helping animals, but he also was able to take our own food to feed the family for the next year. So sure. so people don't get that, you know, we are a part of the cycle of life. And I've heard a, a number of hunters say, and I've experienced it myself, that when you go out and take an animal and you thank it, you have a massive spiritual experience. It's totally true. Absolutely. You know, and now, give me an example. I don't I don't eat uh, supermarket pork. Like corporate farm pork. Yeah. But where I'm at, fortunately, there are, I haven't had it in a while, but there are people that raise uh, heirloom pigs here. Yeah. And uh, and it's delicious. I mean, yeah. Like people don't know what they're missing. <laughs> <laughs> really, no. I mean, when it's raised properly, you've got cows like, you know, that are grass fed and, you know, they're, they're free and they're happy and they live out their cycle and, uh, you know, they're slaughtered humanely. It's just, you know, it provides your body with so much energy. I think with, with the, the the corporate system has so corrupted the food supply, you know, that they pump all these animals filled with chemicals and they torture them because they're they're really commodities. They're not assets. They're just they're throwaway commodities. Right. right. It doesn't matter if they sell the meat, they're going to sell the hide, they're going to sell the other parts. The meat, if it's foul, they'll sell it to a dog food company. Right. Or they'll sell it to China and they'll turn it into cat food that will kill your cat and dogs. You know, and that's what's happening today. It's like, well, spoil the meat, who cares? As long as we'll sell the hide and the hooves and everything else. Yes. So the, uh, and then L. Sterling, L. Sterling, again, exactly. That's why we give thanks and pray for a clean kill, you know, and yes, you know, and, and it's, this is part of the emasculinization of men is getting them away from their natural connection to hunting, which of course is connected to provide and protect as well. And the same weapons for hunting are used for protecting. And, you know, so you have all these beta male soy boys wearing, you know, uh, man buns and skinny jeans out there. And any of you out there who are doing that, stop, just no, no. <laughs> No. And, uh, you know, so it, it severs your connection with this natural process. But when you go out and hunt and you take the animal and you give thanks to it, you know, it's like this whole you, you have this whole understanding of the cycle of life. There is no life without death. There is no death without life. We're a part of that cycle. So, um, you know, I just wanted to go off on that for a little bit, but, uh, you know, let's, you have any, uh, good information for us on these windmill farms that the liberals are saving the world with now? <laughs> the most polluting form of energy known to man. The most, yeah, that, you know, they've destroyed the, uh, Palm Desert out by Palm Springs. They've destroyed the Tehachapi Mountains going out, uh, over the, the Tehachapi's used to be gorgeous going over the hills of uh, mountains of California into central California over near Bakersfield. They've completely wrecked the mountainsides there with thousands of these these windmills. And then now there's uh, windmill uh, 
massive landfills because these huge blades on these things have a short shelf life, just like airplane propellers do, and they have to be replaced every couple of years. And uh, so now they've got windmill landfills. You know, have you have you seen any of this stuff? <laughs> no, I haven't, but I'm not surprised. Well, let it, me was, see. Uh, it was all boondoggle, make work project and subsidy to the oil companies from day one. Let's see. So I'm going to see if I can find some photos of these. Yeah, here we go. Here's some uh, uh, windmill landfills. So, yeah, these things only have, you know, a certain shelf life. And then the blades wear down and they break. And, uh, you know, so they've got to create places to dump these huge windmills. You know, that's a bad example. But let me let me just pull up. Uh, well, they're turning these uh, poor people who agreed. They signed the, the paperwork because they, oh, we'll lease your land and put a windmill on your property. So, yeah, this is the formerly gorgeous uh, uh, view of the Tehachapi Mountains. And, you, you know, the, I mean, this is what they've done. They've turned these gorgeous environmental areas into windmill farms to save the environment, uh, ironically. And they don't see the irony in the whole thing. Boy, these pictures are really low quality. But, yeah, here's a, a better one. But you just see rows and rows and rows of hundreds of these these things and uh you know so let's get into when you were on the show several years ago we went into the you know the cost uh versus benefit of of windmills and solar panels versus oil do you want to go into that again do you can you repeat all that off your head or, or oh sure no, it, the amount of btus of energy that it takes to produce those windmills solar panels that's to mine manufacture install and maintain the amount of energy that's utilized from oil is never recovered it's a negative net net loss so you're burning more to btus to have it than you would be to just use those btus for productive purposes so it's a makeshift there, there's absolutely no benefit to these energy sources other than for people who live at outside of a grid zone where they might be like in the mountains or someplace out the sea. Like I believe that, you know, they, they have their applications. But to think that you could power cities, this is just, this is ridiculous. You know, it's um, the cleanest, safest form of energy we have today. And, and it always has been, it's been oil. Oil is the cleanest form of energy that, we are ever going to come up with. now I'm, I'm right now i'm showing the uh the palm desert so this is what they've done to the palm desert now i grew up about 20 minutes from here uh as a kid and uh this area along the 10 freeway out there is completely ruined now with these things it looks absolutely hideous there's just thousands and thousands of these things out there and uh, so this is their solution to saving uh the environment you know i mean they're just they're everywhere now some of the lesser damaging ones that i've seen is like out by like kramer junction when you're driving through the middle of the mojave desert off to the left when you pass kramer junction there's a, a solar 
you know, uh, electricity plant there. And those, you know, they take a couple, they might take 10 acres of land and put a bunch of mirrors in to heat uh, the water for, a, you know, a turbine or whatever. But those seem a lot less damaging than, you know. Those are actually not, those are actually a, a practical form of solar energy. Right. You know, whereas this is, you know, far more land, far more destruction. But, you know, so, you know, you've got, you know, the green economy. And so, you know, all of these new jobs being created to virtue signal where they're actually destroying the environment and, you know, not really helping anything. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is there? Let me tell you, I was going to bring something else up before. A lot of these windmills are being put on private land. And they're signing, these energy companies are signing like 20-year leases with these property owners to put a windmill on. And they're taking, oh, well, we'll pay you a certain amount of money every month to have this windmill on the pro- on your property. Right. What happens is in 20 years, those things are going to burn out. The, the, the mechanics of them, like you say, the blades, the electronics, everything, those things need to be, parts need to re- be replaced on them very often. What happens is these energy companies just abandon the mills and then leave them to the property owners to dispose. And now the, the towns and communities that, you know, with these property owners are telling these landowners, you have to dispose of these giant 200 foot steel structures on your property and you got to pay for it. And it costs on average about $3 million to disassemble and dispose of a windmill. So these people's lands are being taken, being foreclosed on for not disposing of the mills, windmills properly. Again, wow. it's just fraud after fraud after fraud we are dealing with. Also, the, also that the liberal, liberals can virtue signal. Now, uh, let's see, uh, Percy in the chat just said the blades kill a lot of birds, too. Of course, this is never discussed in these things but you know first they got to rip out the mountainsides and the deserts and all of that stuff to put these things in but uh you know uh l sterling says solar is great so is wind on a sailboat wind is good on yeah that's a very good use of as, you as know, somebody it, who loves to sail i'd have to agree with you. yeah exactly i haven't gone sailing in years but i've done it a number of times in my life but uh you know, so we have this massive environmental or detrimental environmental impact. It's like you and I discussed like four years ago, the negative impacts of Toyota Priuses on the environment, and they mine all of the rare earth minerals in China and whatnot to build the batteries. And then, you know, after 80,000 miles, the batteries have to be replaced and all of the additional electronics going in there, there is no net gain of protecting the environment, you know, and then now you have Tesla cars everywhere that are probably much worse. And that that electricity to charge these uh, vehicles is still coming from other forms of energy. Sure. And they're going to do to people who own these cars like they're doing to the landowners who have windmills on them. They're going to force them to dispose of them outside of the current disposal system of junking your car taking it to a scrap metal because right, where they just melt it down and use it for the next line of cars or whatever, because right. you've got all these toxic uh, pollutants in these things. 
Now they're going to say, well, we can't melt that down. We have that has to be disposed of in a certified landfill, which has a $10,000 minimum dumping fee to put your Prius in. So these people are, they're so stupid. You know, greenies, environmentalists, I hate to say it, are some of the most naive, gullible. Uh, they're so they're so easily manipulated, easily manipulated into frauds and scams that it, it just shocks me. It's like, I, I, wow. I have a story for you. So I was up in uh, Tahoe with my son about a month ago, and about a week after we left, one of the highways we were driving down this this hippie liberal in a Prius uh, did an illegal turn or cut in front of a big rig carrying a large tank of uh, natural gas and uh you know so uh killed the driver of the of the tanker and the tank exploded you know really wow yeah so all of the so-called you know savings on the environment that this guy did but how many times have you been driving down the freeway and there's a liberal eating his tofu sandwich and he's got you know his Birkenstock stuck under the accelerator pedal driving 40 in the on the freeway in the left lane and not letting anybody by causing a big traffic jam I mean it happens to me every time I get on the freeway (laughs) yeah You can't help but laugh about that. Oh, my God. They're, well, they're so cliche. That's the sad part is like, you know, and they have the man bun and the skinny jeans. And, you know, I mean, it's just they're a, a cliche going down the road, you know, and they've got their vape pen or their, you know, their weed or whatever. And they're, you know, they're going to save the world, you know. Sure, the rainbow, you know, the rainbow ice support LGBTQ bumper stickers. And yeah. L. Sterling is just kicking it in the chat tonight. He says their vegan diet inhibits clear thinking, and that's actually true. Yes, it very, does. Yes. Very, very yeah, your, your brain operates on fat and is made out of cholesterol. So if you are eating a low-fat diet, your brain is definitely inhibited. And, and you know, part of that, uh, what happens is why vegans think they're so spiritual and whatnot is because they are actually starving their brains. And so this gives them this moral superiority complex that they go around that they're more enlightened than everybody else. And what it is is they're actually starving their their brains and their bodies. And who's that guy, S3 Savage or Savage or whatever on YouTube? He put together all of these, these videos of... Uh, you know, vegans and comparing their health and, uh, you know, and, and their health just like he shows one clip after another of like year one, year two, year three, year four, and watching their diets, you know, deteriorate, deteriorate. And one of these vegans is, is spouting the Mark Passio, you know, carnist stuff and his front tooth flies out of his mouth. (laughs) They become more and more emaciated in each time-lapse photo. Oh yeah, for sure they do. So, uh, yeah, you know, and anyway, I, so do you have any idea the copper requirements and whatnot for mining all of this equipment for the solar, you know, for the windmills and all of this stuff, the so-called green economy, you know what I mean? You know, so everybody on their, their phones and whatnot, so that they can get their, their bills and whatnot, and they go green to not get their bank statement or their gas bill or whatever in the mail. Is that really saving anything? from the environment absolutely not (laughs) 
it's all an exercise in futility. It's make work. It's shifting the, the it's shifting the deck chairs on the Titanic. That's all it is. And uh, if we got back to a, a real productive, where we're actually producing things and selling things, producing things of quality, right? Then maybe things will change. The dichotomy is that when we start to go more and more into the internet of things, and if you know what the internet of things is, that everything becomes wired. I mean, uh, uh, your toaster now. Right. You got to be like, nah, I can't get up on the couch. I'm going to, nah, nah. And, oh, look, my toaster's ready. You know, the, well, the you road to hell is paved yeah. with convenience, as I say. Look, what you have to realize, too, is that something like they're looking at all with all the technology like YouTube, for instance, the amount of data storage that's required to just support the system currently. Remember, YouTube is a platform that gets so about 10 million worldwide, 10 million videos get added to it every single day. Wow. It's enormous. Every day they have to build more and more and more storage capacity. Even the U.S. government can't afford to do that. And the only reason why we have YouTube is because the U.S. government is subsidized. Well, it's subsidized. It's owned by Google, which is owned by Incutel, which is owned by the CIA. And there you have it, you know. And then the CIA can, you know, can uh, can can throttle accounts and shadow ban people like me that put out real information like we've had like up to 51. I have 62,000 subscribers and we've had up to 51 live viewers tonight on the channel so far. You know, I mean, talk about ridiculous shadow banning right there. You know, and I know there's a lawsuit against uh, Google right now, a class action suit for this crap, you know, and them suppressing anybody who doesn't promote their their liberal nut job agenda. But I tell you, but let me let me finish the point where I was going on. this. All right. This is where the Internet of Things comes in. Somebody came up with a great idea and they even did an episode on a great show, which I love called Silicon Valley last season, where they. The uh, is they managed to store all of the this information for a client of theirs on various refrigerators through the Internet of Things. Well, this is exactly what the system wants. They figure rather than building out all of this ex- ever expanding zero sum game storage capacity, this is one of the reasons why they're throttling back and doing all the the stuff with uh, with YouTube. Gary, by the way, because they don't want to admit the truth and say, look, we're running out of storage capacity. Slow it down a bit, folks. No, they're just going to start shadow banning and creating this whole environment. And that itself is all you need to do. They've probably slowed down the rate of uploads from maybe 10 million to probably 7 million. Now, just on people getting scared of being you know, blocked or whatever. Anyway, go back to what I was trying to say. They want to turn your toaster, your television, your refrigerator, everything in your home into a storage device. Problem. I guess these are vegans who came up with this idea. (laughs) For the last 50 years, they've had this thing called plain obsolescence. Okay. Now, if your toaster is storing a certain amount of data, along with your microwave oven, your television, your your cell phone, your your lamp, because that's going to have a chip in it. Everything is storing data. And something breaks and you unplug it, which means you disconnect it from the grid and throw it away. 
that data is lost. That's being stored. In it. Well, they would have some sort of RAID redundancy or whatever, random array of inexpensive disks, it used to be called. But, you know, that was, I used to be a network engineer. But they, they would have redundancy for when somebody unplugged it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, they would, yeah, they would just have you go buy a new one and they would just restore that data on your stuff, you know. How do they do that if it breaks suddenly? Who gets to download the data? They're using this method to store data so they don't have to build out any more server farms, any more storage. And so data. then they they secretly get the population to pay for it without uh, uh -huh. you know, even they being aware of it. Transfer all of everything over to them, transfer all of the losses, and or they socialize and, all right. the expenses. And, and the surveillance at that, right? Exactly. But then what happens... And then they can tell you you're using your toaster too much. I don't know why anybody would still be eating wheat, but then they can, you know, tax your, your carbon credit for using your toaster, you know. <laughs> and what if you threw away what if you throw away your toaster? And these and these and liberals are just screaming to bring in more and more and more and more socialism. Never mind it's wiped out every society on earth that's ever implemented this crap. What if your toaster is the one toaster that breaks down that has some sort of secret nuclear code stored in it? <laughs> and now when they try to plug it in, it's like, it's missing something. We need the component. Where's that bit of data? Well, we have to recreate it. Where's the toaster? that? <laughs> it's in a landfill somewhere. Yeah, so Robert Kay is bringing up the Panopticon. He says, instead of putting you in a prison cell, they're building the prison cell around us with the helpful technology. And, and not only that, but that's exactly what the Panopticon is, you know, and people will, you know, now we're, we have a society of consensus and then all they have to do is propagandize the liberals and their, you know, to virtue signal and to think with emotions rather than with facts. And then you get this government by consensus where you're, you're going to be put down if you don't go along with this liberal communist uh, genocidal agenda. You know, we got to kill babies. That's cool. You know, uh, freedom is bad. Protecting yourself and your family is bad. You know, owning owning guns is bad. Any, you know, the First Amendment is bad. Second Amendment, bad. Anything about freedom is bad. We have to have virtue signaling. You know, I'm going to be better than you because I have a man bun and skinny jeans rather than being a real man and having a family and protecting them and, you know, you know, learning how to raise your own food and whatnot and seeing what life is, is really about, you're going to go around from your, your cubicle in your concrete uh, city jungle and then get your food out of a wrapper and then you're going to tell everyone else how they should, should live when in actuality that person is the most clueless of how things really are they're the furthest removed from reality and and what the cycle of life really is and, and uh benji well, says the amish are doing it right i would agree with that and the amish are because they understand more of who they are the mennonites the or, amish etc yeah and they, they the look we have been we have been fooled right with we have been fooled in this in our society and our culture to think that we are part of this experiment of individual rights and freedoms and people just don't understand. Most people have never read the books, History of Great American Fortune. They never even heard of them. Right. By Gustavus Myers at the turn of the century. Wrote the pre preeminent book on how the wealth of this country and Canada in his books. He wrote, a book, he wrote about Tammany Hall in New York. 
but he exposed all of the fraud. Or I wouldn't have called it fraud. He just basically called it out. The entire history of the country about problems about piracy. Oh, yeah. And, well, when you go on the East Coast, you see all these underground railroads. I mean, they are, yeah. you know, for all of you fools who think that the blacks left the South to the North on hypothetical underground railroads by feeling the moss on the north side of trees or whatever, wake up. They had actual underground railroads for piracy running all over the East Coast to hide from the from the uh, British uh, for the duty tax and all that stuff. And, and it was actual, real railroads, and they ran from, what, North Carolina all the way to Maine, and they were everywhere. And so this these were real underground railroads. It's not just hypothetical. And the North wanted to shut down the South and then bring all of that labor into the uh, new factories that were being built up in the 1850s and 60s in the North. So that was the real agenda. It wasn't, you know, uh, for, you know, this agenda that we're told it was to free all the slaves. They just wanted to move that slave labor into into the factories. Well, can I give you a theory that you probably have never heard anywhere else? Because after reading History of Great American Fortunes and a book called Triumphant Plutocracy, which was written by Richard Pettigrew. He was the first senator from the state of South Dakota. He was a congressman for the, for the territory of South Dakota after the Civil War, I think in the uh, early 1900s or late 1800s when South Dakota became the state, he was the first duly elected senator from that state. And he wrote a tell-all book in the 1920s called Triumphant Plutocracy. And it's amazing when you read that book, how you realize things have not changed at all. But he talked about the railroad, the, uh, the railroad easements um, for exploration of the West. And a theory popped into my mind that, wait a minute, you know what the Civil War really was about? The Civil War was to keep, keep the impoverished. There are so many people that were called, they were called, uh, they were the, the, the servitude of the Northeast. They lived in the tenement housing in Boston, New York, Baltimore, Philadelphia. Anybody knows what the tenement housing were? You probably don't. But the tenement housing was the most vile, most unhealthy uh, living conditions. Like like <laughs> L.A. and San Francisco today. Much worse. The average, the, the well, life expectancy, if you were, if you lived, if you lived in a tenement house in those days, your life expectancy was 45 years of age. Yeah, that's about what it is in, in these uh, tent cities in <clears throat> L.A. right now. Is it? Yeah. It can't be much worse than that. So this, the conditions were deplorable. And guess what? Millions of white people, millions, not thousands, millions were living in those conditions. And they were, they were working off the debt as serfs here for the in the factories of the yeah North. exactly and that's another thing they don't want to cover up, or that they want to keep covered up is all these people were serfs and indentured servants and whatnot and uh, right. they, they had were, to pay for their had, tickets getting to this country and they had they were lived in deplorable conditions now what happens when those people finally after years maybe even a generation of dealing with that what's the first thing they want to do they want to get the hell out the first thing they're going to do is buy a pony and a cover wagon and start heading west right and that Western territory had not been surveyed yet. Okay, Lewis and Clark had not surveyed all the passageways where they knew where they would find gold, timber, resources. 
which all of a sudden corresponded with where they put the railroads. Okay. So with all these people trying to go west, particularly beginning really in the 1850s, because it took several generations, many of the people who came in the early 1800s, many of the German immigrants, they all started heading out to Minnesota. You know, they were leaving the eastern, the eastbound cities. And then from Minnesota, they were heading out west. There was no way that the aristocracy of that day was going to allow commoners to go and place stake to valuable non-surveyed land. And what was the best thing that they could come with, the best idea? How are we going to stop this migration of West? Let's have a war. We can kill off all the, we can kill off all the young men. We yeah. distract people. They start fighting a war. That's my theory now of what the Civil War was all about. It was to keep it. it it's funny. After the Civil War ended, Bruce and Clark did their expeditions. They did all the surveys. The railroads were first granted the land. And then they said it was okay for people to go west. And they ran real estate scams and all these things afterwards. Right. You know what? And they'll just tell us it was about slavery. It was about this. No, it was about they weren't. These guys aren't going to share the wealth with anybody. If you're going to go west, you're going to work for them. You're not going to go there and lay stake to an oil title on a property that you claim fight Indians to claim title. All right. And then turn around and say, there's gold in them, our hills, and it's mine. They weren't going to allow that to happen at all. So what can you tell us about this uh, communist sociopath, Bernie Sanders, who goes around with the Lenin-Stalin uh, clenched fist uh, that, where they murdered tens of millions of people for, for the Soviets? Um, what can you say about him and his threatening to sue the oil companies if he becomes president for polluting and ruining the world, even though... Yeah, and and they're gonna he's gonna bring us a, a, a green economy, you know, so we can find our our love in the green economy. Well, he's he's doing a repeat of what they did with the tobacco industry, right? What most people don't realize is tobacco has been smoked, consumed in various ways by humans for millions of years, and it didn't become a problem until the 1930s when they happened to correspond to adding chemicals to the tobacco. The, the tobacco. Once they started adding the tobacco, the chemicals, people started getting sick and getting cancers and everything else. And they say, oh, tobacco is bad for you. So he's going to pull the same thing. What this is, this is another monetization fraud. He's thinking, Steve, that's all Bernie thinks about. You gotta, people have to understand that Bernie is a con man of the highest order. He thinks only in terms of my baby, what can we monetize now? Where can I get my fees? You know, I got an offshore account over here. If I put a, you know, national health care, they're going to come over here. They're going to they're going to give me a couple of billion dollars. They're going to build a statue of me. That's all this guy is concerned about. He is probably one of the most evil men of our time. And people don't see it. It's like he's, he's just working for the bankers and the financiers to come up with new ways to perpetuate these hypothecation frauds. Like, I thought about that after we discussed it the other day when you told me about that he wants to sue the oil companies. And I'm like, well, that's that makes perfect sense now because if he sues the oil companies, it's not going to do anything to the oil companies, just like the tobacco lawsuits really haven't done anything to the tobacco companies. What happened with the tobacco lawsuits? They put a tax on all of the cigarette sales 
where you used to buy a pack of cigarettes for a dollar and a half or less than a dollar a pack. Now people are spending $11, $12 a pack in states like New York. Yeah. Has it done anything to stop and curtail smoking? Maybe when to some come- extent, but, you know, probably the biggest <laughs> impact is these e-cigs have, have done the, the most damage. I was just going to go there. With the e-cigs, they said, wait a minute, people are going to switch to e-cigs. We can't collect the tax and we're borrowed all this money and we need smokers to be the use, to be the surety of the debt of the bonds we've issued against the lawsuit, against the tobacco lawsuit. So now they're going after e-cigarettes and saying that they're explosive. And I'll tell you what e-cigarettes are. E-cigarettes are, that's incubator formula, okay? It's flavored incubator formula. Anybody can make it. It's the stupidest, dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like added nicotine to it, it's just about you know, the, the, it, it's not the tobacco companies. The tobacco companies will get in on the, the vaping. Right, you know, sure. But not if they could, you know, they make some money on it. It's the politicians saying, wait a minute, we're screwed. If we can't. Well, one, the- one kid, you know, blows up his face from a bad e-cig. And then, uh, you know, they turn this into a big, uh, you know, news media thing for the liberals and whatnot to get riled up about. And you're right. You know, it's like I've had, you know, you can you can get around this tax uh, for tobacco by going straight to tobacco distrib- distributors and buying whole leaf tobacco. As long as it's not cut up and shredded, it's not a product. It's a plant. And so then you can get around all of that and you can get around all of the additives and chemicals that they put in it. And it actually smells like right and it smells like not that i want to do that but it smells like the stuff that grandpa used to smoke you know and it it smells absolutely wonderful and i I got news for you though if you smoke that it's actually it's absolutely very healthy for you in fact i believe that they know smoking tobacco is probably very healthy for you that's why they want people to stop as long as it's totally natural so yeah here's uh here's this guy that had his his e-cig explode in his in his mouth you know so of course they're they're making it like you know okay well we had this one guy so or maybe two so uh (laughs) here's a funny one (laughs) so you know they're gonna make as big a thing out of this as possible but yeah you know what they need to do is stop putting uh additives and whatnot in it you know, we were going to discuss these meatless uh, estrogen burgers, too. We haven't even brought that up yet. <laughs> you know, that they feed all the soy boys and whatnot. Oh, my God. Is that disgusting? And it's made with a uh, with a, um, a soy product that yeah. is highly toxic. Yeah. Well, yeah. soy is highly toxic already, and it's filled with estrogen. You know, mm-hmm. so that's why we have the term soy boys, you know, is because they eat soy products and... You know, wear skinny jeans and man buns. <laughs> but that I think this is even worse. This is a, a byproduct that's waste. See that they always try to find like with everything, a certain a certain percentage of the I think the soy husk isn't useful in any way. And somebody said, "Well, look at all this waste, right? Is there a way that we could turn this into profit?" How do we take this product that normally just gets thrown out into the fields as, as compost? How can we make that into something we can make money on? And that's what they put their laboratories on. And that's what 
Silicon Valley, there are Silicon Valley companies that are investing in this. What the hell do they know about it? Right? What are tech companies investing in, in, our, in fake meat products for? Do you remember uh, what was it five or ten years ago in Japan? They were making shit burgers. They were making feces burgers. Real yeah, they burgers. were they were reconstituting feces and in, back into food and making, you know, burgers out of it and getting people to eat it. Poor poor souls. <laughs> you know, you're literally eating crap. You know, you know that that's a joke upon people is to, you know that. Let's just get them to eat shit. You know, let's oh, see sure. Do it. Yeah. And, that's, and, that's and what you know, they probably funded, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into this, this feces burger. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, I haven't heard about an actual feces burger. Thing yeah, they, uh, it was in Japan. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Oh, it was the first thing that came up here. J- Japanese researchers create meat uh, from human feces. Would you yeah. eat a turd burger? Yeah, and there was there's some more stories on that, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so you can find plenty on there. I think they really want to have a soylent green. Yeah, they, they want what? A soylent green. They they want to find a way that they can really bring about, you know, a soylent green burger and have people eat it and go, yeah, this is delicious. You know, they're already doing it now because. They've completely destroyed the palate of most people. Most people don't know what good food tastes like. Right. Or you grew up in a farm. You grew, you're used to your father. You know what Yeah, good I food. lived in Serbia for a while, too, and you'd eat the food there, and then you come back here, and it tastes like you're eating a cardboard box. It's like, what the heck, you know? Yeah, and, and people don't realize, like, anytime that you've had real farm, fresh food, meat, dairy, like fresh milk from a cow or a goat, or eating a burger from, or, or a steak from, you know, a, a, a farm raised, you know, uh, a farm raised cow. It's, it's a, absolutely wonderful. You know, when I was in uh, Peru, they had restaurants uh, on the side of the road with the farm behind the restaurant. And they mm-hmm. literally got the food for the restaurant from the farm. Duh. You know, you know, I was in uh, on Catalina Island a couple of years ago with my son for spring or summer break. I forget which. But, you know, they have all these bison on uh, Catalina Island and they're not, you know, and then they have all these restaurants in, uh, in the in Avalon City on Catalina. But the restaurants aren't allowed to serve the meat from the bison in the restaurants, even though there's like dozens of restaurants that serve bison burgers. So what they do is they put the bison on a boat, ship it to California mainland, put it on a truck, ship it to Montana, slaughter it in Montana, and then bring random whatever meat not raised on Catalina back to Catalina to sell in the restaurants. Doesn't that make so much sense? (laughs) Yeah, virtue singing morons and idiots that are running everything today. Oh, but they're protecting us from any contaminants if they slaughtered the animals there and served it fresh in the restaurants by shipping it all over the country and creating all this legal nonsense to, uh, you know, to be able to get this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, liberals also want us to believe that the, you know, the millions of bison that used to roam the North American con- continent were uh, major pollutants and that, you know, the Native Americans were 
we're committing the greatest uh, environmental catastrophe ever by eating uh, wild bison, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, clearly they're right, right? I mean, the, the, the Native Americans must have just been creating massive environmental damage. And, uh, you know, just like India with their, with their 45 million uh, sacred cows. But I can't wait till we start having sacred cow barbecues, you know. <laughs> Well, you know, like let's listen. To I, I'll be the first in line for one. Of, I, but you know what? They put makeup and stuff all over them. I mean, they might not even be clean meat. You know, and who knows what they're feeding? Really? Yeah. I mean, all the way they're going to eat grass. They're going to eat what they naturally eat. But somebody said he's scuba dived on Catalina. I have too. That's something I would I would love to try that one day. You know, scuba diving off Catalina. Yeah. That would be I, I did that when I was like 15, I think it was when I sco- went scuba diving off of there. And there's all these sunken boats off the off I, of the I, old uh, theater or whatever, the old casino there. I'm a New Jersey guy. I didn't, uh, you know, I was, I've only been to Cal, I've, I've only been to Southern California like once. Yeah. I've been to New Jersey a bunch of times. You guys think when it's like five degrees outside at summertime and you put out shorts and go put on shorts and go jogging, it's like you people are freaking insane that's, man that's generally 50 degrees they're 25 degrees it's still a little too cold <laughs> i saw people out and about like it was a sunny day when it was minus five outside and it's like are you kidding me you know i got frostbite on the top of my uh ears in uh, new jersey yeah <laughs> well there's a lot of great it, it hurt for like two weeks too man it was brutal yeah going to jersey in the winter time's not fun going in the summertime it's a it's a great state. It's so cra- It's like California. It's, in fact, it's, it's worse than California because it's con- It's so small and it's concentrated. So, you know, for a state that has, I think, eleven million people, but is not much bigger than the, the L.A. San Diego corridor. But it still has a lot of space. It has a lot to offer. It's got the ocean. You know, the, the Jersey Shore has a culture all its own. Feces, hypodermic needles, the plague. And probably now, but. Yeah, you uh, know, California used to have the highest standard of living in the country, and now we're dead last. You know, it's funny. I was reading something not too long ago, and they, they were evaluating the best communities in the United States to grow up. And this is something like within the past. And where I grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey, was ranked, I think, the third best place in the United States to grow up. Wow. So, and it, and I think back at that and I go, you know what? Damn straight, that was right. I grew up in the best place. <laughs> it was amazing. Back in like, the 70s, Southern California was amazing. Now it's a freaking joke, man, you know? Oh, I, Bergen County now is a joke. It's still got some nice parts, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it was uh, ranked as far as quality of life, uh, you know, because it was proximity to New York City. It was very close, but it was uh, just it was beautiful. It was a beautiful area that I, uh, you know, that I that I grew up in. It's just the environment. When I grew up, everybody's mothers were, you know, they, everybody had a stay-at-home mom. You know, the fathers they were blue-collar workers, but everybody is. Yeah, yeah. Remember when a when a father could be a blue collar worker and make enough for the whole family, and the mom could stay home. Yeah. And yeah, now we got to make more jobs for the women and keep them out of the home. And in the right. yeah, because you know you gotta you gotta 
keep them from having babies and keep them from raising their families at home and homeschooling and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. we got to hand them over to the state for eight hours a day, right, the kids? So uh, what can you say about uh, U.S. being a net oil exporter for the first time in 70, 75 years? Only for the purpose of refining. Really? we got a really big, serious problem is that, you know, we're producing a lot of sweet crude with all the shale oil. And you can't make diesel fuel out of sweet crude. And diesel is what is the energy source that drives the world. It's the transportation fuel. So... You need heavy oil for that. That's where the Canadian sands and, you know, the heavy oils from up there come, uh, you know. So we're, we don't have anything to do with it. We, we can produce plenty of oil from the late sweet crude that we have from the contracts we have from Saudi oil and other places. We really don't need any more late sweet crude. We need heavy oil. And so they ship it out. A lot of times it gets shipped out to other countries like Mexico and other places where they refine it into gasoline and then ship it back to the United States. (laughs) So it it makes the numbers look good. Wow, we're the largest net exporter. Yeah, but we're just passing off our crap that nobody wants. Interesting. We're also the the largest net exporter of garbage too, right? What does that mean? So... (laughs) Well, as long as we're sending it to China and whatnot, that's fine. Or Saudi Arabia, you know, we can send all of our garbage over there. Right. That's what we're doing. Sending our our garbage to Africa and China. Okay, great. Fantastic. So same thing with the oil. And uh, thanks to uh, Mr. Winters for the uh, support of the show tonight. Um, what can you say to people, you know, as a parting shot regarding the green economy and their love for it? Uh, you know, what what do we tell them to drive the the point home about how bad it really is? I guess you'd have to watch the Rambo First Blood at the very end. It's over, Johnny. There is no there there. There is no green economy. The green economy is a farce. It's a fraud. It's a scam. It's never going to work. It's make work for now. But I, I, I sorry to think that it's it's probably a, a ploy the Bolsheviks have used many times because we are being controlled by Bolsheviks. Right. Right. Um, you know, when the when the proletariats and the useful idiots outlive their usefulness. You terminate them. And, and you get them to exterminate their own family trees by telling them that babies are pollutants, you know. Right. So this is the, the preamble set up to it, but eventually at some point you have to, you do what you do with all unfunded liabilities. liabilities. You terminate them. And maybe that's why they've given us movies like the, uh, oh, what do they call that? What's that movie again? Uh, the perch. Okay. Couldn't think of the word there for a second. So are they getting us ready for a perch? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, they have they, to. Be. They want to bring in Chris Lom. They want to wipe out Christianity and freedom. They want to bring in Sharia law and all this stuff. And Which isn't going to work. All right. It's not going to, because it's not based on the truth, it's, it's based on a lie. 
They're claiming they want to take away guns, but you know the, the funny part is the last year that uh, Obama was president, he you know helped sell enough guns to what re, it was to enough that enough guns were sold in two months to rearm the entire U.S. Marine Corps. <laughs> well, isn't it funny how Obama, in through his through one of his platforms that is managed by one of his executors of his platforms. They, all these presidents have, they take their assets and they put them into trust. Sure, yeah, wasn't one of them like Smith & Wesson or something like that? Well, he, his, his trust officer managing all of his investments heavily invested into firearms companies. Yeah. And so they probably told him, hey, you know, if you just talk about this stuff, your stocks are going to go way up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And of course, he did because he... He again is like, and, and it cr- took like three years for 22 ammo to get back on the shelves of the stores. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing how people just don't see, they don't see the hands in front of their face. The obvious, the obvious flaws. Maybe it's, I've become, maybe I've become too smart for my own good. You know, my, my grandmother used to tell me when I was a child that I was an old soul and she didn't believe in reincarnation. Just something about you. You just maybe there is reincarnation because you don't get fooled like a lot of people do. So, what do you say to these uh, liberals that are like, you know, but 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 the pollution and you know and and I'm so spiritual. What do you what do you <laughs> say to them and all of their virtue signaling and everything? What do you know anything about the rates of like late 1800s industrial pollution versus the 70s versus today? Oh, they, they're totally clueless. It's like, do you know that in New York City, a day after a snowstorm, everything turned black from all the soot from the coal fires, from all the heat furnaces and everything? Because the city was completely... And, you know, and my, my, my sister teaches at one of these uh, liberal schools, and she called up my mom a couple of months ago. Yeah, but, you know, the world is going to end in 35 years, you know, and they've been saying that since the 80s and then the 90s and then, you know... The, the 60s. Since the yeah, it's insane. It's since the sixties. Yeah, it's going to end in you know next week and the week after. But you know they're all prophets, right? You know they're they're predicting, uh, you know when the world is going to end. Yeah, but that's a good point. All of the soot and everything, and in, in, in all of the major cities. And uh, you know I remember in the seventies growing up because I grew up with asthma, and so I had a hard time on summer evenings because the sky would fill up with uh, with uh, smog. You know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's like you hardly have that anymore, you know, and, and still and, and here's the the irony of it is that like in the, the pollution that fills up the oceans and whatnot that they dredge out and clean up out of the oceans and whatnot, like 90 percent of that is created by five Asian countries. And the U.S. is actually one of the cleanest countries, mm-hmm. if you not know? the you know, but Vietnam, China, there is a, you know, a, a few others I forget off the top of my head. Um, but Vietnam, China, uh, ah, I forget, maybe the Philippines and a couple others were by far the largest polluters out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, uh, you know, whereas, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they didn't really have plastics. And then they get all this plastic and then they just toss it rather than. Uh, doing something useful with it, but this is th- these <coughs> countries are the cause of the majority of the pollution, not the U.S., not the West, not Europe. 
you know, and not, you know, Greta isn't saving anybody. And, and I've exposed for years that the low-fat vegan diet, the vegetarian diet, is, is being promoted for eugenics. You can read Plato's Republic. He talks about it more than 2,000 years ago using veganism to control the population, to make them docile. They want to get rid of the alpha males because the beta males are a lot easier to control. You just get them virtue signaling. You, they think they're fighting the system when they're gullible dupes promoting it. And, um, you know, that's, that's the real agenda. But, you know, it's like they published this stuff 2,000 years ago, and people still haven't caught on, you know. Well, because they're strangers to the truth. They've lost touch with Logos, which is reason, which is truth, and because they can't reason. They think with the female brain. You know, the brain, the female brain, you know, male brain and the female brain is different. Yeah. Well, and they're intentionally so, and it's not to put down women. Women need to think with emotion to be able to raise children. You know, men had to hunt. Let me me finish my point here. Okay. Because women, we have, as men, we have 80% gray matter, 20% white matter. Women have 80% white matter, 20% gray matter. You're right. They are supposed to complement each other. Right. But one thing that is the one of the most powerful and most destructive forces in the world is to allow emotion to go unchecked. Absolutely. Everybody knows that. So that women represent the most destructive force in the universe. If you want to destroy a society, then you feminize it. Absolutely. Yeah, well, Terrence McKenna was all over that. You know, if we're going to save the society, we have to feminize the human race. And, you know, and he wanted to limit the family, limit male birth and bring in, you know, Chinese uh, communist policies against male birth and all this stuff to feminize the human race. And this is exactly it. They want to promote the fall and the destruction of the society you know and if you have real alpha males they say wait you're going too far come back wait you're going too far come back and they sort of keep the society in line and moving forward whereas when it's all based on emotion and you start feeding the the men soy and whatnot and tell them that hunting is bad and that their heritage is bad and all of their successful ancestors since the beginning of time till now had it wrong, but they got it right with their man bun and their soy burgers, you know. But what, guess what happens when you do that <clears throat> to the point where they are now? All right. You start to begin to get pushback. Yep. Agreed. The guys that have been the soy boys start to say, maybe I, be, maybe I was wrong about this. They, no matter what they do, how they change your diet, how they structure you and, and socially engineer you, they cannot take the instinct out of you. When they start challenging your very instinct, it becomes they only need, those soy boys, all they need is that spark. And that is that one man who says, I'm tired as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Not in a <laughs> <Right>. conspiracy <laughs> way, but in the way that I am going to pursue logos and logos is the answer and once they realize that you know god is truth and truth is logos and the word and reason and where we get the word logic from and then it's like ding and now everything that the system has put in place because it's all based on lies it can't stand the light of truth and it begins to crumble Oh, but wait, but wait, don't read that 2000 year old book called the Bible because it's all myth in there. And then, you know, and then you sit down and you actually read it and it's all about truth is God. And then you go, oh, no wonder why they don't want us to read this, you know. 
And then Jesus is the example of the ultimate alpha male and how to live properly. It's like, duh, you know, so, you know, if you want to beat the technocracy that's coming, become Christ-like. Exactly. Well said. That's, that's a great closing point right there. Good, good job there. Greg. <laughs> oh, thank you. I think I'll have to steal that from myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe, support the show, tell your friends about it. Uh, somebody's asking me to get Jesse Lee Peterson on. I've tried to invite him on a couple times before. I didn't get any luck there. But uh, also subscribe, uh, donate to the show. Of course, we do run on donations. We're not uh taking uh pay as all the trolls would have you believe but uh please uh pass this show around and you know let it, everybody know about the green economy fraud greg thanks so much is do you have a way for people to reach you if you if they want to contact you uh they can email me at uh greg q 1962 at gmail greg q 1962 at gmail there you go I'm not a social media guy or nothing like that. You were on my Facebook page for a long time, I but I, I I've been on Facebook jail for a month, so I don't know if you're still on there or not. I am, but I don't really do anything on there. Yeah, it's I just, think you only commented on my post, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really comment on much, that's for sure. Yeah, I avoid it at all costs. To be honest yeah. with you. All right. Well, it was good talking to you again. And thanks, everybody. Have a great night. See you next time. I'm not sure what we're going to be doing next week. We'll figure something out. But uh, see you then. Take care.